I am enough of an Anglican or Episcopalian not to believe that when the compilers of the Revised Common Lectionary were putting together their Sunday readings almost 40 years ago, that God put into their minds the particular readings for this Sunday, October the 8th, 2023. Nevertheless, I am enough of a Christian to believe that the scriptures can speak to us about where we are at specific times and in specific places, and therefore I do try hard to listen. So, coincidence though it may be, I want to talk about both of today's Gospel and Old Testament readings in relation to the tragic and still unfolding events in Israel this weekend. This will not be a political sermon. And I'm not looking to apportion blame, nor am I going to suggest solutions, practical, geopolitical, whatever. The only thing that I am going to try to do is to explore what God might be saying to us and asking of us through the scriptures on this Sunday in this place. Both stories relate to vineyards and their owners, and both are allegories. In both cases, the vineyard is the land of Israel, the promised land. And in both cases, the owner is God. And both stories also involve humanity, although in one case, humanity is the fruit on the vines, while in the other, it is the humans to whom the vineyard has been entrusted, the tenants. In both cases, humankind tests God beyond all reasonable limits. And in both cases, God eventually severely punishes humanity by removing it from that place and worse. In the Isaiah reading, the vineyard is totally destroyed. In the Gospel reading, the tenants are cast out, but the vineyard is given to a new set of faithful tenants. It is also very important to say that both allegories are focused on a specific time. In the case of Isaiah, the prophet is talking about the events leading up to the second Babylonian exile. Jesus is talking about his own time, his coming death, and the extension of the promise first given to the chosen people now out to the whole world, all of the faithful, regardless of whether they are Jews or Gentiles. As I said, both are allegories. So let's spend a little time looking at the three main elements of those and see what they might, might, tell us about our own time. First, the vineyard. This is Israel, or Judah and Israel. It is a symbol of fruitfulness, but also a symbol of the gift given to us, not just of food, of sustenance, but of wine. Throughout the Old Testament in particular, wine and olive oil bring joy, but also represent happiness and fulfillment. They represent a nation at peace, the fruits of calm and settled times, of a people at rest. And finally, the vineyard represents a gift. While the vineyard itself needs tending, its remarkable fruit just grows in that rich soil on that fertile hill, warmed by the sun, 
and refreshed by the rain, all of which come from the hand of God. To echo the creation story, God looked at it, and it was very good. Second, there is the owner, in both cases God. What is most noticeable here is the care that God puts into the vineyard, into this gift to the people of Israel and to us. While for the purposes of the allegory and the gospel story, he steps away to let the tenants do what they will, note the care that he puts into the vineyards. He doesn't hand over a couple of seeds or a bit of rootstock. No, particularly in Isaiah, he lavishes care upon it. He clears it of stone. He plants it with choice vines, choice vines, nothing cheap. He builds a watchtower, not a little hut. He builds a wine press. He builds a hedge or a fence around it. This is something the owner cares deeply about, a project that is very close to God's heart. No detail is overlooked. No corner is cut. The vineyard, which is as good as it can be, is all gift. And finally, there is humankind, the bad fruit and the faithless tenants. Despite the care that God has lavished on, lavished on the vineyard in Isaiah, the people of Israel, the vine itself, yield only stink grapes, rotten, rancid fruit. In the gospel reading, the tenants, instead of being grateful for the gift that they have been given, instead seek to take it for themselves. They beat up God's servants, ultimately killing his son in an effort to achieve supremacy over the owner. The gift that they have been given to live in and to enjoy they seek only to exploit and possess, with not even a glimmer of recognition for the care and for the love of God. So here we have two allegories, both two millennia or more old. So what might they tell us about today? First, up front, and crucially, these are allegories. They're not roadmaps or predictions. Isaiah is not telling us that the land of Israel in 2023 is destined for destruction, nor does Jesus' parable in Matthew's Gospel tell us that God has given up on the current inhabitants of the biblical lands and is going to sweep them away and replace them with a better set of tenants. No. These stories, neither of them, tell us anything like that. They are not predictions of our future. However, they do tell us a couple of things. First, that God created the vineyard that is still Israel. He cared for it and he loved it. And I would argue still cares for it and still loves it. Present day Israel and the lands which surround it are still a vineyard. For those of you who've been there, it's a place of overwhelming natural beauty, of remarkable fruitfulness, and now to which we can add things like technological ingenuity and innovation. And it is now the home of three faiths, not one. No one can go to Jerusalem and be unmoved by the faith and devotion 
which permeates from and radiates in the Western Wall, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, or the Al-Aqsa Mosque. This is still the vineyard that God cared about so much that he cleared the stones, planted choice vines, built a watchtower and a fence. This is still the vineyard that God loves. However, we still also have the other element of the story, humanity. I said, and I'll say it again, allegories are not predictors or prophecies of what will happen now. But they are a warning of what may happen if the cycle of violence in the vineyard cannot be broken. For all sides, all sides, the danger is that Isaiah's indictment of two and a half thousand years ago once again becomes true. He expected justice, but saw bloodshed. He expected righteousness, but heard a cry. It is not yet too late, though. And each of the major religions now living in the vineyard has in its tradition a way out, a path away from endless conflict. For the Jewish people, while there is violence in the Hebrew scriptures, there is also a consistent future vision of a better future, of swords to plowshares, the wolf lying down with the lamb, the lion with the fatling. And there is an even more consistent and overwhelming call for justice, for an end to selfishness and greed, for helping the stranger, the poor, the prisoner. And likewise for Islam, while violence is sanctioned in certain cases by the Quran, toleration and respect is called for in relation to other religions, as is a striving for peaceful solutions over violent ones. And finally, Christianity, particularly in the Gospels, explicitly rejects violence, and God himself, our God, dies a violent death on the cross, not just so our sins will be forgiven, but to break, or start to break, the vicious cycle of violence. So what is to happen? What can be done? By us, practically, very little right now. We have no idea how the coming weeks will unfold. But we do know, we do know the one thing the gospel parable can show us is that a cycle of violence is not the answer. That violence is the only sure way to eventually destroy the vineyard that the loving God built and still loves. I was going to say, let me finish with, but that implies a neat and tidy ending, a conclusion and takeaways upon which you can act. But in fact, we are still in the middle. And there are no conclusions, no takeaways. So let me ask you instead to consider a thought. And if you can, turn it into a daily prayer. The thought comes from Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, the remarkable leader of the British Jewish community for many years. Rabbi Sachs said, Whenever Jews pray, we end with a prayer for peace. 
And at that point, we take three steps backwards. To make peace, you have to make space for someone else. You have to give up a little of your dream for the sake of someone else's dream. Perhaps we might all pray that to restore the vineyard once again, to reveal God's love for it and its people, all sides, all sides, will consider taking three steps back. Amen.